Welcome to the HR Cartel Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Dive. This is number 25. So we've hit a quarter of a century, a bit of a milestone. Thank you for sticking around with us and, and listening in. And if you haven't listened before, this is your first time, you're welcome here. Um, share it, make some comments, make sure you give us a subscribe and a follow and stick around for a few more. We'll talk about plenty of good things. And um, look, today what I want to talk about is um, some a bit of a lead on from the last the last podcast we did, uh, the last podcast I spoke about um, limitations that we commonly find within businesses when we walk into a business uh, and there's change that has to happen. We don't quite know what it is. We do a bit of an investigation process, talk to people, ask questions, we survey, we, we investigate systems and workflows and all kinds of things. And we see a number of elements that commonly exist as part of those assessments we do functionality assessments we call them um and i want to do a lead on from that because i read an article today and i'm going to share the screen with you uh, it's a financial review article and it was published on the 11th of january so you know about two weeks ago um today is australia day in, in australia that's when we're recording this so um a couple of weeks ago this this article was released i did i just read it today for the first time um and um because i've been having conversations around employee and workforce well-being um uh, employee assistance programs or eaps um and different things different mechanisms employers do can do want to do might do uh to boost employee well-being and engagement and that sort of thing i've had a couple of conversations like that this week so I see, I see this, this article, I've given it a read. It's sparking uh, my interest because it relates a lot to what we spoke about last week. Now, these limitations that we spoke about last week, there's about seven of them all up. Essentially what this article here is saying is um, what employers have been doing. Now, there's a, a study behind this too. The studies come out of uh, Oxford University. Um, the headline for the article is the employee perks that are a waste of the boss's money and i i I do agree with a lot in this article i do agree with it we've been saying it for years you know free yoga classes uh free fruit bowls free food uh games room this and that and all these things that employers are trying to do to make their workplaces worth coming to what they think they need to do to make employees want to be there you know Put cool stuff in there. Put pinball machines. Put table tennis tables. Free food. Free lunches. Yeah, you know, whatever. Right? Um, they all do nothing. Right? This this study in from Oxford University has come out saying um, that employees who go on and into workplaces with all these perks and these elements um, are no better off than the employees who didn't do any of that stuff. They're no better off. Instead, the workplaces have to be better. What a surprise. But workplaces being better means work systems being better. Role clarity existing. Organization structure workflows designed right. The systems enable the people to be able to effectively do something and achieve their jobs. They don't have to bypass these systems just to get their jobs done. Right? Um, Leaders speak better. Leaders understand their role better. Leaders can communicate what the objectives are better. Um, all these, all these elements, right? 
many of which were the limitations that we spoke about in the last session. So you can see how, how it's lead on. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to share my screen. Those of you who are watching this, you'll be able to, you'll be able to see what article I'm looking at. For those just listening, we'll, we'll read parts of this article and we'll go through it. And we'll just expand on it a little bit because, you know, well-being in workplaces um, is is a, it's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a um, look. It's a grey area. Everyone's got an opinion about it. Um, there are so many different things you can do for workers in workplaces these days, and, and you know, external bodies you can bring in, consultants you can bring in, all sort of stuff. And employers are spending good money on all these programs. So employ employers do want their workers happy, productive, wanting to be at work and all that sort of stuff, right? Um, it's just not working. It, it's just, you know, it, it's the easy thing, in my view, it's the easy thing to look at your look at your workforce and see miserable people and say, well, the problem's with you because you're miserable. We've got this business. You should be happy to work here. Um, uh, so you should be grateful. You're getting paid. You're the problem. Um, but I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll give you free fruit. We'll give you a longer break. We'll give you, um, uh, we'll, we'll get a massage therapist to come in and give you a 10-minute massage at your desk. You can go and do a free yoga class. We'll get a yoga practitioner to come here twice a week. You can do a yoga before before you start work in the morning. You can do a PT session at the back. Um, you know, fix yourself, right? Now you have to be happy. Now you have to want to be here. You have to. Bullshit. Not does, it's not going to work. It's not right. People are at work. They want to work. They want to achieve good things at work. They want to get things done. They want to get better. They want to get acknowledged. They want to improve. They want to feel uh, valued and they want to have self-worth with regard to the work they're doing every day. They want to know they're making an impact. They want to be aligned to something, a bigger picture, a bigger idea. They like being in teams, right? That's the stuff that's broken. Fix that. Stop spending money on all this garbage. Fix that first and watch what happens. Um, anyway, look, let's share this screen before I rant on too much. Let's share this screen. And we should be seeing it right now. So as I said, financial review, this article is called The Employee Perks That Are a Waste of Bosses' Money. So employers who are serious about improving their well-being of, of staff must tackle the root cause of stress instead of relying on easy actions such as offering free access to health apps and mindfulness workshops. Yes, absolutely. Um, the key takeaway from a new study from, of the University of Oxford, which delivered a scathing assessment of well-being programs aimed at changing individual workers rather than improving their workplace. So this, this report, so it's based on survey data from 46,000 workers across 230 businesses um, in the UK, of course. Um, the study found that relaxation practices, time management, coaching, financial well-being uh, programs, well-being apps, sleep apps and sleep events delivered no improvement in average employee well-being. And resilience and stress management training was even associated with a negative effect on well-being. Now, why is that? Why is that? I've got a view on this. Uh, now, I don't, I don't believe any of these things are bad. 
I believe that all of these things should and would and could have positive impacts on anybody in any situation, in any workplace. The problem is that the cause of people's upset in workplaces, disengagement, feeling like they're not achieving anything, frustration, misunderstanding, not wanting to come, it stays. It, it doesn't, doesn't go away. It stays there, okay? It never changes. You can, you can add all these extra things on top, all these training about resilience and stress management and this app and that app and employee well-being and reporting how do you feel today, all this sort of stuff. You know, you know what you're doing when you do that, when you don't fix the, the cause of the problems? What you're doing is you've still got all the problems. Now you're piling extra stuff on top that you're telling the employees they must do and they must appreciate. So anyway, we'll go back to this article. Now, that's, a, that's stuff that I've seen happen in workplaces time and time and time again. Employers don't learn. They just add more to it, right? So let's keep on going. The only individual level well-being intervention associated with a positive effect was access to volunteering opportunities. Aha. Uh -huh. Now, why do you reckon that is? I haven't read this article in four, by the way. I've just got sort of skimmed it. I sort of saved it for this conversation. Um, now, what, what I what I would imagine is that that gives some some sense of worthiness, um, contributing to something worthwhile, um, feeling good about what you're doing at work. Uh, you know, feeling good about the way you spent your time, bre breaking that frustration um, and replacing it with um, you know, feeling like you're part of a bigger picture, contributing to a bigger picture. Um, I would suggest I would suggest that's probably why uh, you know yeah, volunteering opportunities would would have that sort of impact. Um, we'll skip over this a little bit. Let's have a look. Change the workplace, not workers. The key takeaway is that easy actions uh, that only seek to change the individual employees won't have any meaningful impact on employees or for the business um, employers have to be more ambitious to and get to the root causes of stress and enhance how work is undertaken aha uh -huh. enhance how the work is undertaken how work is performed in the business so what if i go back to the the the, the uh the podcast from last last week the last one we did um how work is undertaken Role clarity. We spoke about that. That was a key limitation that we find in these businesses that we go and do functional assessments on with its problems. Um, there was organization charts or unorganization chart, as we called it. The organization of workflows or how information flows through your organization. Feedback. Feedback about performance and how work is being performed and how, how it's being done, Respond, being able to respond to changes about how work has to be done. Now, th there's three things. There's another four things. Now, we spoke about leader, leaders' alignment and leaders' communication and stuff as well, but specifically, um, employer, I'll repeat it again, employers have to be more ambitious and get to the root causes of stress and enhance how work is undertaken. Okay? Absolutely agree with that. That's that's correct. Um, Dr. Fleming said changes as uh, at the organisational level, including 
the management practices, staff resources, performance reviews, and the design of jobs had a far greater influence on employee well-being. Aha! Role clarity. Organization chart. Feedback. It's all there. Go back and listen to that podcast, number, uh, number 24. We spoke about the seven things you must focus on your, and remove from your business that are limitations on your business being successful this year. We've now got a study that tells us we're right. Oh, I love when that happens. Oh, okay. Let's keep on looking down. Let's, let's skip over a couple of things here. Just a bit of, bit of chit-chat going on in this article here. Um, it really is the way the organization operates and the system-wide interventions that have the most impact. Again, role clarity, um, organization charts, and feedback. Those three things are repeating in this article. Um, it's about helping people work out the best way to do their job, looking at uh, looking at negotiated schedules and deadlines, allowing people to work in teams, and having constructive performance reviews, feedback, and organization charts right there. Soliciting staff feedback is key. Bang. Here we go again. Um, Dr. Berger said, organizations that want to make their staff happier and healthier should conduct regular surveys to find out what workers like and dislike about their jobs and what managers could do differently. Now, listen, let's talk about that for a second. The reason why a lot of companies are afraid to do this and, and uh, um, hesitant to do surveys like this and get feedback is because they think that that's going to be an enormous piece of work then that comes after that. Not the case, right? You will learn a, a, a lot from the staff in anonymous surveys about how, how work is being done, what can be done differently, about criticism of their managers. Are your managers mature enough to hear the feedback? In smaller businesses, probably not. Larger businesses, 50-50, eh, right? Um, so you've got to have good leaders to, to be able to do this, but you don't have to act on, on everything that they, that they tell you. Often the act of giving them a voice is enough giving them a voice and responding to that voice. Now, you can do that by way of a, feedback, of, of, a, of a feedback server. You can do that by way of interviews, performance reviews, et cetera. But that doesn't work when you only do it one time a year and everyone hates the process. No one trusts it. It's got to be regular feedback, regular things, right? So anonymous surveys, I know businesses out there are scared to do them uh, because they don't want to have the burden of the work that comes after them. You don't have to do all that work. The act of getting feedback and giving people a voice is often enough. And then you will learn things that are going to improve your business. And of course, you'll be an idiot not to, not to follow through on a few of those ideas, right? But let's keep on going. Smaller organizations typically did better on employee well-being than their larger counterparts because they were less bureaucratic and typically had higher levels of freedom and trust. So let's talk about that for a second. Organization charts... Um, uh, something that smaller businesses are afraid of because they don't want the red tape. They think, no, we're small. We're too small for that. We don't want structure and process and that's going to ruin how we are. That's not the case, right? Um, organization charts and structures and things like that, all they do is identify how information flows through your business. It's not about this person's the boss, this person's the second boss, these are assistants and these are all workers down here. That's not what it's about. It's about the flow of information, how, how things get done. That supports your people. 
Okay, it's not bureaucratic. If you if you take a bureaucratic approach, um, it becomes stiff, rigid, and bottlenecks appear and all that sort of stuff. So there's a way to do organization and structure the right way. Um, let's have a look. Um, Flexible working had the potential to improve workers' mental health by giving them greater autonomy. Yeah, flexible working, hence they didn't say working from home. They didn't say that. Working from home is, I guess you can say it's a part of flexible working, but there are so many other ways to do flexible working. Shitloads. Get creative, right? Do things a bit differently. Let Let employees tell you how they're going to best work. Doesn't mean they have to work from home, though, right? Doesn't mean that. Get some feedback in, and give them some some say over how the work gets done. That that's that's um, yeah, that, that that gives a person some some sense of control over their day, some control over what they're doing. They're not just being micromanaged, and there's there's no nowhere to move um, psychologically and emotionally in their in their work. Okay, let's have let's keep on going here. Um, we'll skip ahead a bit here. Um, so we'll say here, CEDA urged employers to instead give staff more say over how they did their jobs and to train managers on how to identify the signs of poor mental health. I'd agree with that. Managers don't know that. In fact, managers cause it a lot of the time, especially in smaller companies where you've got unsophisticated leadership um, personnel and systems and training and all that sort of stuff. When I say unsophisticated, I'm not saying silly I'm not saying dumb. I'm not saying, um, you know, just bad performing people. Just, just not really modern enough. Not, not really forward thinking. Not strategic enough. Not creative enough. Uh, managers who are just, you know, stuck in the old way of managing. You know, you say what I do, sort of approach. That's unsophisticated management and leadership. Um, smaller businesses have a lot of work to do in that area. Larger organizations tend to do it better because they've got programs that, that people will go through as, in, as leaders. So um, and there are other ways you can do that, right? Let's talk about that for a second because it's a very important thing. Our, uh, our, our HR, so workplaceas.com, uh, Workplace Advisory Specialists, our business um, is an outsourced HR department. That's one of our options. Part of that is setting up um, training modules that we design in accordance with strategic objectives of the business um, and where it's going with it, with a measurement of where you're at right now. And we design the, the training modules to address the skill gaps that every level of your organization has. Um, now, these platforms are very low cost. They're not very large, expensive systems to run. Um, they're they're, they're quite, quite good, actually, quite low cost, high impact, low cost. And with a team like ours, or if you've got your own internal HR team, um, with their finger on the pulse on the strategy, as the strategy changes, as the business grows and things change, um, modifying these development programs and training modules and standardizing that across your business, you're going you're gonna to develop sophisticated leaders. You're going to get there. Um, and you're going to be able to train them on how to, how to identify signs of poor structure, um, happiness, and mental health in the workforce. Um, as a closing thing, let's have, let's have a look at Culture Amp. Culture Amp's chimed in in this article here. Culture Amp is um, a pretty good survey platform, an employee survey platform, um, and they've got a very powerful analysis, data analysis tool and reporting that you can use too. Um, pretty expensive, 
pretty that's one of the platforms that are pretty expensive to run surveys um probably wouldn't recommend them for that reason uh, but if you're a large organization you can you can spend you know thousands of dollars on a, on a survey system have a look at it it's it is a good system according to employee experience platform culture amp the top three reasons why people stick with their employer are when they feel informed about what's happening at their company they have control over their well-being and they believe they uh, there are career opportunities in the business yeah yeah, we all know that, right? Nothing new there. So look, that, that that's I might just stop sharing my screen there now and we'll talk about this a bit. So my views on uh, this article itself, don't go um, rushing away and switching off all your wellbeing programs if you've got them. If you don't have wellbeing programs in place, this article should not, encourage you to not put some in place you you should have them in place um however this article said my our podcast last week combined with the findings of this oxford university study should really reinforce that first look at yourself look at your structure look at your role clarity look at your systems look at your organization chart look at your leaders look at your development programs Look at how well communication is flowing through the organization. Look at how well you as a CEO, as the MD, as, as the head of the business, the owner, whatever you are, how well have you cascaded those strategic objectives down to your leaders and helped them cascade down to their people? All those things we talk about in episode number 24 of this HR Cartel podcast. Go and listen to it because it's very, it's very much um, reflecting exactly what this study says. But I'll reiterate, I believe that wellness belongs in workplaces. Um, so you can't have wellness without the internal audit of how well you're actually running your business. That's what's causing the stress. The way the business functions, the way that work and communication flows and all sort of stuff. You know, we've banged on about it enough probably in this episode. But um, So yeah, fix all those things first. Um, I do believe that uh, employee assistance programs are, uh, and again, this is this is something I've I've had some conversations about this week with about three different businesses, um, and uh, they are very much worthwhile. And the old way of doing them, so you got a, you got a, a psychology uh, business uh, who will um, uh, confidentially speak to your employees who reach out to them. Uh, up to th somewhere between three or six appointments, depending on this on the on the on the program that you that you engage, uh, they'll charge you an annual fee, a registration fee, you know, all these fees to to be a part of it. Uh, but your employees can then go about um, calling this number and accessing psychological um, support, counselling, and that sort of thing when they need it, as they need it, and your business will get a report about how how much of that service is being used and taken up and that sort of thing. You'll never find out about who's who's accessing it, um, what they're talking about, how many times they've accessed it, nothing like that. That's how it's supposed to work. Now, you know, we, we, we are working with uh, a, a business at the moment where they've attempted, attempted to set up an EAP program, an employee assistance program. It doesn't work that way. It works 
in a in a manner where the employer knows exactly who's accessing that service and that they're they're the gatekeeper for, for putting people in touch with that service. That's problematic. Don't do that um, for an array of reasons, right? Won't go into them on uh, into the detail on those reasons on this podcast, but um, some of them would be quite obvious, right? Um, you, you you shouldn't be the gatekeeper of an employee accessing support that you set up for employee well-being. Um, there should be no gatekeeper for that. Um, so it should be just a free access that you don't know about. That's what should be in place. However, that's the old way. That's been in place for for you know twenty years. I remember you know almost twenty years ago, um, big psychology business when I was in the mining sector. Um, that had the mining sector kind of wrapped up with EAP. Uh, it, it hasn't changed much since. What is needed and what employers are, are seeking, based on my conversations in recent years around EAPs, is that they, they don't like the old the old traditional EAP. They, they they want to get more bang for their buck. They're paying for it, right? The employer is paying for this service. They want to understand and get feedback about what they can do to do things better in their business from a general sense. Some feedback about the business, some feedback about um, what's working, what's not, what might be causing problems and that, and that sort of thing. Um, a psychologist is not enough sometimes. You need you know, other other support more than just a psych. You, you need to have, um, let's say, for example, you know, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk about uh, a wellness business that I've been speaking to uh, this week as well, who I think has an extremely attractive EAP proposition uh, with naturopaths, with mental health practitioners, with psychologists, with counsellors, um, you know, uh, you know, a whole a range, uh, an arrangement of different um, different approaches to to, to health and uh, wellness. Uh, that's that's a far better option for any business today to take up. Um, and I tell you what, if anyone listening to this podcast uh, wants to know about that business that I was speaking, because I'm, I'm a firm believer that they've got a good model, um, reach out. We'll tell you we'll tell you exactly um, uh, how to get in touch with them. Uh, but that's that's more like it. You know, along those lines uh, is more like what what businesses are, are trying to seek and, and EAPs. So look, I think we might wrap it up at that. We'll leave it there for this one. But this is not really a part two of the last podcast, um, but it does lead on from the last podcast. So if you didn't listen to it, episode number 24, go and have a listen. We speak about seven different limitations that businesses have. We commonly see the most common limitations that uh, businesses will have when we do a functional assessment on them and um, how you should get rid of them for 2024 to improve how your business is functioning very much ties into everything this study has produced um which is a great uh yeah it, it's a it's a great um thing to read about and have um, underpinning that last podcast so check that out until next time keep it tight workplace and we'll talk soon